0: Amen. So I have to start by saying this is the first time I've preached live to any human being other than the lens of a camera since March. Um, so I don't know how you guys are feeling about it, but I'm slightly nervous. Uh, so, so be kind to me is all I'm going to ask. No, I'm joking. Um, it's been such a strange season, though, hasn't it? This is such, I mean, even the last few weeks where we've been gathering together, there's still been pre-recorded uh, sermons so that we could, in fact, ensure that everybody was journeying the same thing. And so today, with the live stream up and running, and we don't know where it's at, so hopefully you can hear and see everything just fine. But um, it's the first time that we're able to journey and kind of step in at the same pace in the same way. Um, some of you may or may not have known that, uh, I, I, as we were, as we've been journeying through the previous uh, season and series, um, I felt that God was putting Philippians on my heart and, and he, and we're still going to be doing Philippians, but uh, God works these things with me where sometimes he gives me a niggle. I'm not sure if you've ever had a God niggle, um, but they're quite uncomfortable. It's kind of like an elbow to the ribs, but permanent. Um, and he was, it was niggling because I felt that there was something else that he wanted us to dive into, something else he wanted us to unpack, but I couldn't quite figure what it was, and so I was praying and praying, and then suddenly um, I came across Haggai. I'd read it before. I'd studied it before. It's not a new book to me. It might be to some of us. It's one of the shortest books in the entirety of the Bible. It's in the Old Testament, third from last, um, as you're moving in towards the New Testament. I said, Lord, why are you putting Haggai on my heart? And then I dove in and I went, oh, I see, I think there's so much in there for us right now. And so we've got a series called His Kingdom, which is all about God's kingdom. And, and I believe that he's got so much to say for us now, even though it is so very much a prophetic book from, from the prophet Haggai to the Israelites at that time. So if you want to turn on phones or, or open up your Bibles, you can do so. We're going to be uh, diving into Haggai and we're going to be over the next five weeks because we have Remembrance Sunday in the middle. So we have two weeks and then Remembrance Sunday break and then the other two weeks. But over four weeks, we're going to be unpacking Haggai. And today's, uh, if, if there was going to be a, a talk, a title, if you will, it's His Kingdom, Kingdom Priorities. So, before we kind of dive in straight into reading, maybe we need to set a bit of the scene. Again, for for some of us, maybe as a refresher, reminder, or just to hear for the first time. Haggai is a minor prophet. He's considered a minor prophet, uh, in part because he has such a small part in the Scripture. But I don't want you to get kind of lost in the whole idea of minor prophet, because he might be minor, but he has a major message. Uh, And the truth is, all the minor prophets, quote-unquote, have major messages but again, we need a bit of context, maybe a bit of history before we step into fully uh, reading it and, and unpacking it a little bit. Um, so for centuries we've read, okay, again, throughout Scripture we read of, of, of prophets, uh, Hebrew prophets, who have kind of been accusing Israel, God's people, of breaking the covenant with God. Of, of, of whether it be through idolatry or whether it be through uh, injustice, they are not keeping to what they have promised they would do in honoring and worshiping God. And so we see prophets across history prophesying of the demise of Israel, of the destruction of the temple. And we see that happen and come to fruition through the empire of Babylon. Babylon comes in and they take over and the temple is destroyed. And the the Israelites are taken into captivity. They are enslaved yet again. It's kind of a repeat of history for the Israelites. Imagine the frustration for them at that point. And if I'm honest, if I would have been there... I can imagine that at least some of us—I'd hope to be in that group—would have been so frustrated that we would have been saying, "Well, hold on, they've been telling us this as well." Not only was it our history, but look, look at what the prophets have been saying. Why were you we not listening? But most of us would probably have just gone with the crowd because that's what happened to them. But again, the prophets, praise God for this, did not just bring the doom and gloom. They also spoke about the hope. A, a, a hope that would be coming as God would take a remnant of Israel, a leftover, a, a small group that has been saved and because they've been righteous, they've been focused, it would take the remnant of Israel to live in a new Jerusalem. And it's in 520 BC, uh, we're nearly 70 years after the Babylonian exile, where, um, when it, the Babylonian empire collapsed and it was ruled by Persians, which actually allowed this, these Israelites who had been exiled to return. So we see that after Babylon fell, Persia, the king of Persia took over and he kind of says, yeah, go, go back, go back to your land and build your temple. Suddenly the prophecies were coming true and the Israelites are excited and they head back to do what they're called to do, excited to do. And we see that the Israelites under the leadership of the high priest named Joshua and Zerubbabel of the line of David head back and they begin to rebuild the temple. And at that point, you're probably thinking, yeah, come on. God's people are finally doing what God said. They're going to go for it. And on the surface, it looks amazing. It looks great. But then there's a bit of opposition to the Israelites. And that leads to them stalling. Um, they, They laid a foundation for the temple. But the focus of the Israelites then fizzles out. And then we turn to Haggai. And we read what the Lord is saying through him And so, as we go through the next few weeks, we're going to see that Haggai kind of speaks into four sections. And we see that he speaks into kingdom priorities, a kingdom perspective, kingdom purity, and kingdom promise. So, today we're looking at kingdom priorities. So, let's dive into Scripture. If you want to turn on your Bibles again, we're going to go to Haggai 1. And it's again the third to the last book of the Old Testament. And it's again one of the smallest ones in Scripture. But if you turn to Haggai 1, we're going to read 1 through, oh, not 115. Apologies. That's a, there you go, slip of the finger. 1 through 15, which is essentially all of Haggai 1, with exception of 15 part B, which ties into Haggai 2. But it says this. In the second year of King Darius, the Persian king, on the first day of the sixth month, the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai to Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, son of Jozadak the high priest. This is what the Lord Almighty says. These people say, the time has not yet come to rebuild the Lord's house. Then the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Is it a time... For you yourselves to be living in your paneled houses while this house remains a ruin? Now this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. You have planted much, but harvested little. You eat, but never have enough. You drink, but never have your fill. You put on clothes, but are not warm. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. Therefore, because of you, the heavens have withheld their dew and the earth its crops. I called for a drought on the fields and the mountains, on the grain, the new wine, the olive oil and everything else the ground produces on people and livestock and on all the labor of your hands. Then Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, Joshua, son of Josedach, the high priest, and the whole remnant of the people obeyed the voice of the Lord, their God, and the message of the prophet Haggai, because the Lord, their God, had sent him, and the people feared the Lord. Then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, gave his message of the Lord to the people. I am with you, declares the Lord. So the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, son of Jozadak, the high priest, and the spirit of the whole remnant of the people. They came and began to work on the house of the, of the Lord Almighty, their God, on the 24th day of the sixth month. Amen. What an amazing bit of scripture. And I, you maybe hear me say that a lot about scripture in general because it's God's word, so genuinely, it's amazing. But I think when you, when you read that, knowing where they've come from, knowing what's happened, you kind of go, wow. They get this opportunity, the second chance to go back in again to build the temple. And again, a bit of opposition stops them and they get distracted and their priorities completely shift. And God doesn't give up on them in that point. He doesn't say, oh my gosh, they've done it again. Oh my goodness, they've missed it again. But in fact, he says, hey, Haggai, go speak to my people. So let me ask you something. Have you ever heard God say something? Heard him, been reassured that there was something that you had to do, but then decide not to do it yet? Turn around and say, oh God, I I hear you, I I get it, but it's really tough, or I'm not ready yet. I I get that you're asking me to do it, but not not yet. Maybe you've followed your your own preferences, your own desires over that of what God is asking you. Now, I'm sure that all of us want to answer that question. No, of course not. When the Lord speaks, I do exactly what he tells me to. But if we're going to be honest with ourselves, at least me. I I definitely battle with God sometimes. When he says, do this, I'm like, oh, God, really? Maybe send someone else. I mean, we look at Moses. When Moses is called, send somebody else, he says. Throughout scripture, we see that that's a human reaction. And I don't think that changes today. Chances are, yeah, you have said no or not yet. But I don't want this to be turned into like a pity party of, oh my goodness, or a guilt or a shame of, oh, why haven't I done? Because it's not about that. It's unfortunately human nature. I think we have to recognize it, and in recognize it, allow God to speak into our situations. But we see here that with the Israelites, the people are choosing to follow individual priorities over that of God's. I think that we fit into that camp sometimes. But the people right here... Know that God has said, go back and build the temple. And the temple remains in ruins. The foundation is there. But then they start saying, well, you know what? I need my own house built and sorted first. They start spending time on themselves, worrying about themselves. Their focus becomes about me, myself, and I, as opposed to the Lord. And I mean, honestly, though, can you blame them? <laughs> I mean, again, step into the context. They've been in exile, right? They've been in captivity. The Babylonians were not the nicest of people to them. <laughs> it wasn't like they were on holiday and came back and said, Oh, look, we got a bit of work to do. Life was rough for them. And so they get to this point where they're allowed to return to, return to, to, to the new Jerusalem. And they're kind of like, well, you know what? We've got some freedom here. I can I can build my own house. I can do something for myself. I'm sure God will be okay with that. And now don't twist my words, don't mishear me. God's not saying, oh no, don't take care of yourself. Don't take care of your family or your people. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, Where's your priority? Am I your priority? Why are you focusing, Israelite people, on your own buildings, your own houses, where actually the temple, which is where I am as, the, as your Lord, where you're going to come and meet with me and worship me and spend time with me. Why is that not your number one priority? And that is a challenging statement and thought and view, I think, even for us. Because I think what comes out of that is actually God should be our number one priority above all else. And I don't think... I've ever hundred percent been in that place. And maybe that's just me where every single decision of every single moment from the, how I speak to others, from how I spend my money, from everything being about God above all else. I think I have moments, maybe like glimpses, but oftentimes I think our own personal priorities take over. And again, it's, you can't blame them, but their focus shifts. And you can almost start hearing some of the excuses. Well, God wants to take wants us to take care of our own families first, doesn't he? Oh, it's, it's not our fault, so it's not our job. I didn't destroy the temple, so why should I fix it? Someone else will do it if we don't. I'm sure they will. It's got to be done. I'm, I'm oh, I just can't be bothered. Actually, you know what? I, we need to pray about it some more before we step into how we rebuild the temple. Do we really even need the temple? I mean, is that not a thing that we could do without? You know, it's just not the right time for me to do it today. I'm, I'm busy. There's something else on my schedule. I'll get back to you, God. I think often times maybe our motives are good. We have that desire, but then we're just, oh, we're just too busy. Have you ever had any of those thoughts? Ever, any of those moments interacting with God? It's a big question. And most people look at me like, oh, I don't want to answer that because that speaks into my humanity. That speaks into me not always worshiping. But again, chances are, probably And let me start by saying maybe that's okay. You're human. Praise God. (sighs) But I think God wants us to reshift our focus on our priorities and focus back on him. God is point blank asking the Israelites through Haggai, are your needs greater than what I have instructed? Are your desires greater than what I have spoken? I mean, he doesn't beat around the bush. Haggai's words are straight to the point, aren't they? (laughs) He literally says, are your houses more important than the temple? Are our own desires, our own wishes, our own priorities more important than what God has set forth for us? Hopefully our answer is no. But then is our life reflecting that truth? Haggai essentially says, this is covenant rebellion, Israel. You guys are, are, are rebelling against God. You are doing it again. We are doing it again. This is breaking the promises that the people have made with God. And again, in speaking, as Haggai is speaking, he start, he's talking about all these droughts and all these other stuff. He's, he's quoting the covenant curses of Deuteronomy, speaking God's word. And Haggai again reminds the Israelites that standing outside of God's will and God's desire and God's instructions doesn't go well. (laughs) We want to stand in His presence. We want to stand where He's calling us to stand. And we learn from history, specifically of the Israelites, that again and again and again, God's people, don't do well when they step out of the will of the Lord. They don't do well when they don't do what he asks. You might know that from your own life experience as well. But if nothing else, we have scripture that we can turn to. But you and me, when we stand in his will, when we, where, we're, where he wants us to be, we see that there is gloriousness, there is blessing I'm sure that if I asked you, hey, could you think of a time when you were doing exactly what God asked you to do at exactly the same time? How was that for you? Chances are you'd be like, oh, Adrian, let me tell you. It was amazing. It was tough, don't get me wrong, because it's never easy following God, but oh, he spoke like this and he did this and oh, just amazing the the interactions I had or, or the blessing that I saw upon those around me or whatever it may be when we are where God wants us to be and doing what he wants us to do. But when we do that, Placing his priorities above ours. So my goal, my hope, my desire that as a a follower of Jesus, that I I would be so transformed into the likeness of Jesus by the Holy Spirit that my desires would line up with his always, all the time, that my actions and my priorities would line up with his. I think that's our desire. That's our goal as Christians. But sometimes we fall short on that. So I have to ask myself the question, where are my priorities? What am I prioritizing? Am I prioritizing God's desires, His call, His call on my life, or am I pursuing my own selfish ambition? But then we see in Scripture that the truth is we have to give careful thought to what we want to prioritize. We have to give careful thought to what we want to prioritize. I find it incredibly interesting that that little phrase, give careful thought, is used twice by Haggai in both verses 5 and 7. Give careful thought to your ways. He doesn't say like, oh, just have a quick think. Careful thought. And then Haggai proceeds to, to list off the things that the Israelites are doing, but not seeing satisfaction or blessing in, followed by what they should be doing. You eat, but you, have, you never have enough. You drink, but you, you're never full You've got clothes, but you aren't warm. You earn wages, but it's as if though you lose them and waste it. Give careful thought to your ways. I wonder how much those statements reflect our current modern day world. I've been, I'm not sure if you guys have ever watched this TV show, Shark Tank, similar to that of Dragon's Den, but it's the Australian version, Down Under. It came up on Facebook once and I watched it. And one of the, one of the sharks, one of these dragons, one of his uh, repeated little phrases, I've heard him say a few times on, on the ones I've watched is, his goal as an investor is to help those companies, those people that are presenting to him, get disgustingly filthy rich. That's his actual terminology, his actual phrase. Disgustingly filthy rich. The shift of priorities in our society, and possibly in us as we live in our society, I think sometimes reflects that. Now, you might not be the person trying to get disgustingly filthy rich. (laughs) Praise God for that. But it's that mentality of you have, but you want more. You have, but you want more. You're focusing on getting more money, getting more food, getting better clothes. And God says through Haggai, don't focus on those things. Focus on me. Focus on my temple. Go build my temple because that is where I meet you. That is, it's about me, guys. It's about obedience to me. You're focusing on yourselves when you should be focusing on me. Now, some of us might hear that and say, well, that's a bit egocentric of God, isn't it? To which I would say, actually, the Israelites have ignored him for so long <laughs> The creator of the universe, the God who literally put breath in their lungs, who knows them, knew them before they were ever even conceived. The the, the God who put everything on this earth. I think he deserves that attention, that focus. So are you giving careful thought to your ways and your priorities? If I were to ask you today, what are your priorities? What would you say? Do your priorities include that of building of God's temple, about building His kingdom? Is that one of your priorities, or does that not even feature? Now, some of you might be thinking, well, hold on a second. The temple is something of the Old Testament. Building His temple, that's not something I have to do anymore. We don't have a temple anymore, so therefore, what's the point? But the truth is that we are clearly called to build up His temple for His kingdom. Now, this may seem like a bit of a sidestep to many, but please bear with me, journey with me, because God has laid this on my heart uh, quite powerfully. Again, the start of Haggai is all about priorities. We're picking up God's priorities over our own. And so we have to ask the question, are we prioritizing God over everything else? In that context, it was about the building of the physical temple. Yes, and that's not going to be a priority for you today. I get that. If I said, is your priority building the temple? You'd be like, well, what temple am I building? There's no temple to build, Adrian. But I believe if we're going to take all of Scripture, and we're going to take what God is saying to the Israelites, to Haggai at the time, there is more to it. Than just the building of the physical temple. Now don't get me wrong. God may be speaking to you about physical church building. This is not a temple. This is God's uh, a church where we can come and gather. And worship God. And so maybe God is putting it on your heart. That you have to prioritize doing something in this building. I don't know. I mean history would tell us. There are plenty of church buildings across the UK and the world. That have actually crumbled. Physically literally crumbled. Because there was no time or money spent on them and there was no effort or priority for it. And members of those fellowships oftentimes have had plenty to be able to do it with, but prioritize their own thing. So that's not what I'm speaking of. But maybe God wants to speak to you with that. By all means, go for it. What I want to focus on here, though, is the temple of the Lord should automatically take a new meaning to us spirit filled Christians. Because when we talk about the temple of the Lord, we read in 1 Corinthians that our bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in us, whom we have received from God. It keeps on saying, it goes, you are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. And so let me ask you this. Are you prioritizing the building of your temple? Are you prioritizing the building of your body? Now, we're called to build up his temple, and and follow me with this. I believe that there are two sides of this building of the temple. There's an individual, and then there's a corporate. And on the individual, I believe we're called to build God's temple, which is us. It is you and me. You and I are called to build his temple. And that is, yes, physical. How are you treating your body? What are you putting into your body? But it is also emotional. It is also spiritual. Are you diving into prayer? Are you reading your Bible? Are you doing those things? Are you building up God's temple? How do you treat your temple? How are you adorning your temple? If you go back into the Old Testament and you look at the the rules and regulations that they had, the instructions that they had in terms of building the temple, you will see that it was the most extravagantly beautiful, intricate, detailed temple. And I think sometimes, at least personally, I'm kind of like, oof, I roll out of bed and it is what it is. God, this is what you got. But actually, God is asking us to 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 truly give our bodies as His temple, our whole lives as a living sacrifice. Yeah, Romans 12, 1 and 2, it's back. But there's a sense of actually we have to, as individuals, work on our prioritizing of our bodies, which are His temple. Now for me, you've heard me repeatedly on a regular, regular basis talk about the fact that Gluttony is a sin that is, I think, too often overlooked, I think too often um, excused within the church, and a sin that I have fully, 100% lived in. That's the truth. But lockdown has, has brought with it all sorts of different emotions and struggles and times, but it also brought with it for me a time where God's very specifically spoken to my life and He said, What are you doing to my temple? What are you doing, Adrian, to my temple? And so through prayer, through deliverance, and prioritizing God's desires for His temple, I have lost over six stones since the middle of May. I've changed my daily routines, my eating habits, and I'm getting His temple back to the place where it's meant to be. Now, please... Please don't mishear what I'm saying. I'm not sharing it to go, oh, I want a pat on the back. I'm not sharing it to go, look at how I've got it right. I'm sharing it because you know what? For so long I've preached it, but I've not practiced it. For so long I've stood up here and said, hey, what is God saying? Are you doing it? It's not it's not just lockdown that he started saying, Adrian, put the food down. Do something about it. So I'm practicing what I preach. But I think it's for all of us. And I'm not saying you got to go lose six stone. I'm not saying you got to (laughs) start. But I'm saying that God is going to tell us something about our temples. And if we pray, I I used to have every excuse under the sun. I'm too busy. I'm too tired. I'm too hungry. (laughs) I just can't do it. This hurts. That hurts. I've I've got a bad knee. And I said, Lord, what do you want me to do? And he put people around me to lift me up and to encourage me. He put people around me to hold me accountable. He put people around me to pray with me, to see literal spiritual deliverance from stuff. That's individual. We have to prioritize God in all things, even in our temple and our body. So I wonder what he's saying to you for your individual side, for the temple of you. But there's also a corporate side of building up the temple for us today because we read in 1 Peter 2, 5, it says, you also like living stones are being built into a spiritual house, a.k.a a temple, to be a holy priesthood offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. We as individuals are being built into a spiritual house, a temple, y'all. We as individuals are part of the temple, so we need to be building each other up. We need to be adorning one another. We need to be holding one another up. Not tearing one another down. And some of us might be thinking, well, I just, I can't do it. There's just too much to do, Adrian. It just feels overwhelming. And then those excuses that we heard or maybe inferred from the Israelites and maybe our own past start coming back up. Well, I'm, I'll, I'll do it later. I'm just too busy. I just can't do it. I'm, I'm too old. I'm too young. I'm not fast enough. I'm too slow. Whatever it may be. I'm not fast enough and too slow. The Same thing. Um, whatever the excuse may be, I want to just right now tell you that actually that's not of God. If God speaks into your life and God is ready for you to go and if he's calling you to be a part, he's calling you to do something, then you are going to be able to do it. It's going to take time and effort. I'm not going to tell you that I've lost weight and done it super easily. There have been absolute agonizing moments. You can ask Amanda. You can ask those who've been around me to support me. I have had horrible times going, I can't do this anymore. (laughs) I've had moments where I actually fell back into that horrible sin of just wanting to eat stuff. And I'll tell you what, it was absolutely terrible. Because God is doing a work in me, and I'm so early on in that journey, but I believe we all have that as individuals and as a people. And I know that it's hard to build up the temple when you can't see the temple people or the bricks, the living stones on a regular basis. I know that it's, it's hard to say, hey, I'm going to build you up when I can't really see you We're socially distanced. I get that we are in a ridiculously strange situation that we've never lived before, but are we going to let that be an excuse To not build one another up, to not adorn one another, or are we going to find ways around it? I am super, I love technology. Zoom, I've just about had enough of. (laughs) But at the same time, it is such a blessing, and I would not ditch it for for anything in the world because it has allowed me to speak to people and connect with people in ways that I never had, would have, and even go deeper. Are we going to come up with excuses, or are we going to build up his temple? Is it a priority of yours? Is it a priority of yours? Are we giving careful thought to what we are prioritizing? That it would be a priority for us. But then Haggai does bring that one, pow- one other powerful reminder for us, which is that God is with those who do his work, who prioritize his kingdom over their own desires. Verse 13 says, Then Haggai, uh, gave the, the, the Lord's messenger, gave this message of the Lord to the people. I Am with you, declares the Lord. As the Israelites hear from God and go, okay, we're going to move into it. As, as we hear God's voice and say, I'm going to reprioritize my life. And God, you're going to move up that priority list. You're going to be my number one. He goes, right, cool, awesome. Every obstacle you face, I'm right there with you. Every difficulty you face, I'm right there with you. And that doesn't look the way we want it to sometimes. Because in my head, God being with me with a massive obstacle is, all right, God, take it down. (laughs) I'll walk right on through after you've destroyed the wall in front of me. Or you might say, no, no, Adrian, we're going to climb over the wall. You don't have the strength to do it yet, but lean on me. Use my strength, not yours. As we choose to prioritize God, his will, his desires, his ways, he's with us. And he'll strengthen us and he'll encourage us and he'll uphold us. He will put people alongside us to journey with us. He'll bring provision. He will be with us. He will be with you. And the amazing thing is that he'll do that because it's for his kingdom and for his glory. You know, you know what really excites me about sharing the weight loss journey for me? The lifestyle change for me? is that genuinely, 100%, it's not about me. <laughs> I, like I, and I know that sounds ridiculous, but it's not about me. Because I've tr- I'm 34 years old. I've tried in my last 34 years to try and lose weight. I've tried to do different things. I've done workouts. I've done, and it's never worked. And you know why it's never worked? I didn't, lie. I didn't let God work in me. I wasn't putting God first. When I was stuffing my face, the priority for me wasn't God. It was me. But now I can, I can genuinely tell you, and I'm telling you, like, there's loads still for me to go, and this is not just for a season. This is a lifestyle change, yeah? But part of that lifestyle change is putting God further up my priority list and going, God, you're more important than food. You're more important than this. I need to get out and do something because, Lord, you want me to have a temple that is awesome for you. And I may still have to work on a lot of my other priorities, but I got that one straight. <laughs> God is greater than my food. Now I've got to get him as my number one in all other aspects. So what are your priorities? And so we see, and I come to land with this, we see that we and maybe many around us need to follow or tend to follow our individual priorities rather than that of God. We, we realize that we, we have to be careful in, in our thinking about our ways to what we should prioritize, because actually it does matter. We see that we're called to build up his temple. Even still today, the physical temple may not exist, but we have a temple that we do have to build up. And that actually, as we do, as we stick to what he's saying, and as we hear his priorities for our lives and we follow those, he's going to be with us. He promises to be with us, to encourage us, to uphold us. So with that, are you going to let him reprioritize your life and move you to where he wants you to go next? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much (laughs) that you're an awesome God. (laughs) Lord, we thank you that, that you constantly and repeatedly will always continue to cry out to us and move and try and get our attention when we sometimes have missed it. Lord, I thank you so much, Lord, for for, for Haggai and his obedience to you, to hear your voice and speak such challenging words to the Israelites. But I thank you, Lord, that we're in the same position of the Israelites and you have still given us the book of Haggai, his words, your words through him for us today. Lord, I pray that we would truly allow you by your spirit to move in us that our priorities would shift. Lord, if there are priorities in our lives that are not putting you first, if there are things in the lives where you are coming low on the list, Lord, right now in Jesus' name, by your spirit, I pray that you would point them out to us, God. That by your spirit, you would realign our priorities, refocus our eyes on you, that we would be asking the question, where do you want us to go? What do you want us to do? What is our next step for you? May we have faith enough and trust enough to know that you have it all in control. Lord, I pray that we would have kingdom priorities. And Lord, I pray over our entire area, our village and surrounding areas and beyond, as we speak over those words of Haggai, Lord, that there would be a, a, a complete shift of priorities in the village, God, that you would become a priority to more and more and more. And Lord, we pray these things not just because we want to talk about how awesome it is together with more people or views or anything like that because, Lord, we want more people to get to know you. We want you to have all the glory, the glory that you deserve, the prioritization that you deserve. And so, Lord, please, by your Spirit, move in us that we would reprioritize and be transformed. In Jesus' precious and awesome name, we pray. Amen.